0: You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Packers Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. heard you missed me I'm back and with that I'd like to welcome you to a special Packers Potpourri episode of Lemp's and Pack I am your host Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee Wisconsin here to dive into a mixed bag of topics regarding our beloved green and gold oh yeah I'm going all over the place in this one folks I'll talk about some stuff that just happened, some stuff that recently happened, and then some stuff that happened a long time ago. It's like when I saw when I saw Metallica at Pfizer Forum back in October of 2018, what did James Hetfield say? We're going to play some new songs, some songs that aren't so old, aren't so new, and then we might even play an old song or two. Something like that. Something like that, you know? So if you're keeping score in the first minute, I've referenced Van Halen and Metallica, so I should show you a little bit about my musical taste uh yeah this is my first show in a while hope you guys if you don't like Metallica and Van Halen I can't I wouldn't even know what to say to you it would be a tough conversation I think uh you'd have to have like at least one right so anyways yeah I'll explain my absence uh this is my first show in five weeks I haven't I haven't done an episode since I did my big uh draft recap which was what the, the day after the draft ended so yeah, today is uh, Sunday, April thirty first, April Sunday, May thirty first. So you yeah, with this lockdown, it's hard to you know know which day is which and which month. Forget all that shit. But yeah, uh, I said at the end of that episode, which again was the day after the draft concluded, that I was going to take a break. I thought it would be like two or three weeks. It ended up being five. I did a lot of draft stuff. You know, I did like was that like five episodes in like a week and a half. That's a lot for a guy who does a whopping one episode a week during the season. So, you know, that's tough. <laughs> that was a lot of limps. Figured I'd give you guys a break to come down from all the lamps that I was giving you. Um, but it was a longer break than I anticipated. You know, a big reason, there just wasn't much going on. There still isn't, you know. They're in the virtual off season. We don't have any idea really what goes on uh, during that stuff. So, you know, and I, I've never been a big, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I've never been a big OTA play-by-play guy, a mini-camp play-by-play guy, it's, I feel like so much of that stuff is overrated anyways, which led me to create the Brandon Underwood, Brandon Underwood Memorial Award winner, which I'll explain that in a minute, but, you know, yeah, so just not much going on, and, it, it felt like I was kind of waiting for something to happen and waiting for something to happen. And I thought it got to a point about a week ago. I was like, "Ah, screw it. You know what? I'll just do kind of a potpourri thing. I've got one big idea. I talk, when I mentioned a little while ago about some stuff that happened a long time ago, a big chunk of the show is going to be me going down a wormhole into an alternate reality. And if you're a little confused, don't worry. It'll make sense when I get to that point. I hope you guys enjoy this as much as I did creating it. Cause I think it, it it was. Pretty, I had a. Fun, I had a good time creating it. So, anyways, uh yeah, the Brandon Underwood Memorial <laughs> Award winner. If you remember the 2010, you and, and I don't blame you if you don't. The 2010 OTAs mini camps were just dominated. Twitter was still fairly a new thing for Packer Nation. They were just dominated by reports of Brandon Underwood just destroying everybody. He was a safety. Was he from Cincinnati? I think he started at, at Ohio State, and he transferred to Cincinnati. He was a fairly young guy at that point in his career, I think first or second year. Anyway, he was just destroying people at safety in these uh, OTA practices, and everybody was like, oh my god, the reporters were breathlessly tweeting, oh, the Packers have a star on their hands, and Brandon Underwood. And then, uh, well, I don't want to go too much into what happened. To uh, Brandon Underwood after OTAs ended, but if you remember, he had a. It was not good. It's not good. What happened to Brandon Underwood? And he basically just was never heard from again after that. He was, I think, maybe a special teamer, if that. During the season, so you know that's why I always tell people you got to take the OTA stuff when it does happen with a huge grain of salt. So I'm not that crushed that we don't have those practices. Although I suppose it would give us, it would give me some hashtag content. But I got content anyways. I got, I think, I think this is going to be good. It's going to be, we're it's, we're going to have some fun here. Before we get into the fun, I want to talk about, uh, I got to do the shameless self-promotion. Social media, Twitter, LEMPS, MKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts. Going to be putting up some funny Packers memes, photos. Some good stuff. I'm going to be working on that soon. Volume 2 of the funny memes and photos will be coming, I assure you, for the Facebook followers. Uh, email oldbagadonuts at gmail.com. Haven't heard from anybody in a while. Send me a line. Anything you're thinking about the Packers right now, I'd love to hear it. And uh, for anybody listening on the Wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating. Five stars. Me like you those the most. Four stars are okay. Anything else, forget it. Comment. Chris, you're great. I'm glad you're back. I've missed you in your absence. Thank you for your return. Um, I'd like that. Not that I'm expecting it. All right, so now that I got that out of the way, thanks for tolerating that. Let's dive into the most recent news, which happened just yesterday regarding our Packers. Packers offensive line. This is from Tom Pellicero on Twitter, at Tom Pellicero. Packers offensive lineman Lane Taylor agreed to rework the last year of his contract, freeing up about $3 million in 2020 cap space. He's now due $1.5 million, including a $100,000 signing bonus. According to Ken Ingalls, uh, Ken Ingalls Packers cap on Twitter, at Ken Ingalls, you should all follow him, he's very good with the cap resource stuff. He said it freed up 2.962. $2,962,500 to be exact of cap space. Although I suppose what's a few hundred amongst friends. So that was interesting news, you know, because, you know, at the, at the conclusion of the draft in my last episode, I had talked about Lane Taylor. I thought for sure Lane Taylor was going to be released because they had drafted, you know, John Runyon Jr. They had drafted uh, Stepaniak from Indiana. hope I'm saying that name right. I think I am. Uh, they still had Lucas Patrick in the house so it felt like with those three it felt like Lane Taylor and his bloated salary was gonna be you know cut. They did not do that they reworked it although I suppose that's just as good. I mean I'd rather have Lane Taylor on the roster than not even with the guys I mentioned Runyon and Patrick and Stepanek, you know I think he might end up being a red shirt this year anyways because he blew his knee out. It was just in December that that happened. So I'm not sure how much we'd see from him this year anyway. So, you know, having Lane Taylor would give you three capable backups on the interior uh, offensive line, which is great, you know. And I just didn't want him at that salary if he was going to be a backup. But, you know, what, $1.5 million, That's the salary now? Yeah, $1.5 million, I mean, for a backup guard who at times has played really good football? Been up and down, but at times has been very good. I'll take that, absolutely. Of course, the big question, where is that money that the Packers saved going to go? I uh, theorized on Twitter yesterday that the money would go, because my my knee-jerk reaction when I saw the news was, oh, they're opening up money to bring in maybe a Snacks Harrison on the defensive line. Maybe they're looking to bring Tremont back. You know, tighten up that corner spot. Maybe, and I thought this was kind of a long shot, but I thought maybe they'd be looking to bring Jared Veld here back. Because they really, I mean, other than Billy Turner sliding out to right tackle if Rick Wagner gets hurt and or stinks, they don't really have a capable backup tackle on the roster. So I thought, well, maybe they'd use it to sign Veld here. And then people were chiming in saying, well, you know, could be going to a Kenny Clark extension, which is true. I mean, they're going to need a lot of money to re-sign Kenny. He's worth it, but they're going to need the cash. Uh, I joked that it could go for an Aaron Jones extension. I know a lot of people don't want to pay running backs. That's a whole nother thing. I'll get into that in a future episode. Probably the next episode of the show, actually. But it could go to an Aaron Jones extension. Someone else pointed out, you know, it could just go, they might just be hanging on to the money. Because with, you know, the potential that games will be played this fall with no fans in the stands due to the coronavirus pandemic, there could be, although why do I even need to say that? What other reason would there be that fans But You already know that. (laughs) I don't know why I felt the need to say that. Sorry. But with the potential that there's not going to be any fans in the stands or a, you know, limited amount of fans in the stands, revenue may take a major hit. And if revenue takes a major hit, how does that affect the cap next year? Someone pointed out Rodgers' cap number goes up significantly in 2021. So there's a chance the Packers aren't going to do anything with that money. Anything additional, anyways, they may just hang on to it, which I, which that was a very good point. So it'll be interesting to see, but it's, you know, it's nice that they were able to to free up some extra cash and they have some more flexibility in terms of moves they can make. That's always a good thing. Again, according to Ken Ingalls tweeted this yesterday, The Packers now have $8.6 million, a little over $8.6 million in unallocated cap. So that's good. I mean, that definitely helps. So, yeah, that was, uh, I did want to talk about that a little bit. And then, you know, I guess the one thing that's happened, the one kind of piece of news we've had are these these conference calls that have been going on periodically. I know, like, Rogers did one a couple weeks ago. Matt LaFleur's done a couple. Mike Pettin did one. Um, Hackett, the offensive of coordinator, did one. I don't know. <laughs> what do you, What do you, you know, I didn't even really talk about this on Twitter that much. I don't even know what you make... Of conference calls. It was hilarious to me. I did want to talk quick about the Rodgers thing because it was hilarious to me to see everybody throwing these verbal bouquets at Aaron Rodgers after his conference call. Cause you know, and to be fair, Rodgers did say most of the right things regarding the selection of Jordan Love and where he fits where Rogers himself fits in the organization's future plans and everything. But I just I thought a lot of people went overboard. <laughs> Sorry. Like, what did you guys expect Aaron Rodgers was gonna say? Did you think he was gonna get on there and be like, fuck the Packers, fuck Brian Gutekunst, fuck Matt LaFleur, I can't wait to be a Las Vegas Raider? <laughs> Rodgers is way too smart for that. There was no way he was ever gonna say anything controversial. You know? What's that line from The Departed? Feed him shit and keep him in the dark. Oh, Mark Wahlberg's line. My, my thoughts on feds are treat him like mushrooms. Feed him shit and keep him in the dark. I mean, that's kind of Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> He's not going to say anything interesting. Come on. You know, Matt LaFleur wasn't going to say anything interesting. They're all trying to say the right things publicly. And they're all going to say the right things publicly. I'd be stunned if anybody, at least at this point in the offseason, says anything controversial. They're not going to. But, I mean, does that mean anything in the future, for the future? No, not really. I was laughing, you know, I said on Twitter... To uh, at that night of the press conferences, I said, "Look, this is great that they're all saying the right things now, but it really doesn't mean anything once the season starts." You know, it's easy to say. You know, my point was, you know, my point was they haven't played any games yet. Rogers hasn't really been around. Jordan Love, he hasn't been around. Matt Lafleur, of course, he's going to be like, "Everything's fine, not a big deal." I was disappointed, but whatever, it is what it is. But we'll be fine. He hasn't been around. How is he gonna feel when they get on the practice field and he sees Jordan Love getting because you know Love's gonna get a lot of attention from Matt LaFleur and Hackett and the and the coaching staff, because they're trying to groom him and get him ready. How's Rogers gonna feel then? That was the point I was trying to make, you know? How is Rogers gonna feel if the Packers come out of the gate slow? And this wide receiver group is struggling? You know, is he gonna be is everything gonna be so hunky dory then? probably not <laughs> you know I wouldn't expect it anyways again maybe publicly but who knows um and that was just my point was the, these press conferences again you gotta take them with a grain of salt they're just they're all just it's all it's all the company line at this point you know I, I suspect Rogers is still more upset than he's letting on publicly a great deal more upset than he than he put let on publicly sure you know, and I'm sure Matt LaFleur, I mean, look, I don't want to get too much into the Jordan Love thing, but, you know, there's a reason why they took Jordan Love. I don't think LaFleur was probably thrilled with what he saw from Aaron Rodgers for junks of the season last year. He wants to get his guy in there. They're not going to tell you any of this on a conference call, so, I don't know, it's just funny to see people being like, what a pro Aaron Rodgers is. Hooray, bravo, Aaron Rodgers. It's like, Talk to me after the first few, you know, weeks of training camp, or talk to me if this team comes out of the gate slow or has a rough stretch in the season. Let's see then. And you know, it's just funny. Someone pointed out I mean, another reason why. Someone pointed, uh, was it Michael David Smith? Is he right for Pro Football Talk still? I don't know. Pointed out that it's funny that the pack that Lafleur said in a conference call was it last week? Recently, it was his last one he did. I think it was last week. Again, folks, all these days are blending together for me now. Um <laughs> that the Packers were talking about Jordan Love, LaFleur was talking about the selection in the terms of like Jordan Love had fallen to them and not that they went up to get him. And you know, to me that the answer the, the explanation for that is very simple. They are terrified of pissing Rodgers off. Rodgers is Look, he's a great quarterback, but he's a diva. He is. He's a diva. He's difficult. All great quarterbacks are difficult to some degree. That's not even a knock on Aaron Rodgers. But he, yes, he is a diva. I don't think that's unfair to say. Um, So, of course, they're going to say, you know, oh, Jordan Love was there and we he just fell to us, even though that's, of course, it's a lie. But they don't want to piss Rodgers off because they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to make things work with Rodgers now. And keep him happy while also setting up the future. I'm not sure if that's possible. That was a big. That was kind of my big thing. Listening to the conference calls was just. I I'm not sure if this reality they're hoping for is this having your cake and eating it too. I'm not sure that's that's going to be a possibility. Maybe. I hope so. I laughed at the one guy on Twitter who said to me, "I was when I said my thing about you know Rogers and Lafleur saying the right things, but it might." It doesn't really mean anything. And he goes, oh, well. Or maybe they're just pros and you didn't get the juicy tidbits you were looking for. And I'm like, why the hell would I want juicy? I'm a Packer fan. Of course I would love for this to be a smooth transition. I'd love for Rogers to win another Super Bowl or two on the way out. And then he ends up in Vegas or Denver or wherever. And they and they you know slide Jordan Love in there. And he has a 15-year run of multiple Super Bowls. I'd love that. I just, because I'm a Packer fan. If I wasn't, why why do I have all this Packer stuff in my basement? (laughs) But I'd love that. I'm just, I'm enough of a realist to know it's probably not going to happen. I hope so, but probably not. We'll see. So, and then Mike Pettin, what was his, what did he say in the one conference call? Oh, I laughed at him saying Christian Kirksey is not a player they deemed injury prone. I thought that was good. Christian Kirksey, who's missed most of the last two years due to injury, is not a guy they they dubbed injury-prone. That's good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Really feel good about Mike Pettin being at the helm. I'm sure that's going to go great. Um, So those are my thoughts on the conference calls. I don't know. I, I don't put too much, again, I don't put too much into them. And I don't think you should either. So I, speaking of Rodgers, I did want to tell one kind of funny story. I kind of wanted to, you know, during the season last, during last season, I did a video for YouTube where I talked about the links I would go to, to avoid missing a Packers-Browns game in 2009 when I worked at uh, Lids. Great times. Great times working at Lids at the, uh, well, wherever it was in Minneapolis, I don't want to say. Um, there was a the Northtown Mall. Why don't I, why don't I want to say Was it the Northtown Mall? And was it Blaine? Is it Blaine? I think it is. Anyhow, um, and and people seem to enjoy that. It didn't get a a ton, a ton of views on YouTube. It got some. But I did kind of want to do like a thing here in the offseason on these where I throw in like a humorous Packers story from my life. And I thought since we were talking about Aaron Rodgers, I'd mentioned the time I met his brother. Not that I was looking to. So the story goes, this is the night before the Packers-San Francisco game. Uh, at Lambeau in December of 2010, you might remember they wore the throwbacks. It was the game where Donald Driver had the ridiculous, ridiculous touchdown grab, which, as fate would have it, I missed. <laughs> if You can believe that. I was at the game, and I missed it. A friend of mine and I, the same friend who will be featured in this story in a minute, I, we were actually in the—we were freezing. It was cold that day, right? It was December at Lambeau. So we're freezing, and we were at halftime going to get something to eat, something to warm up. And if you've ever been to the concession stands at Lambeau, you know it takes approximately 15 years to get anything from the concession stand. To get from the front, not just from the front to order, but the front from when you get in line to when you get your food, and it takes 15 years. That's about that's an estimate of how much time you miss. Um, so we got our food and we're walking back to the tunnel, and a play. We were like, okay, after this play happens here, we'll go. We'll go up. I can't remember if the usher was holding us back, if an usher was kind of keeping us in place until the play happened. We might have just said, well, we'll wait. Because we were listening, we were, we we could hear the call on the radio as we're walking up. We're like, all right, we'll wait. So we're standing in the tunnel. I can't, I can't see the field at all. So this is all I hear is Donald Driver is breaking off this touchdown catch, which will live on in Packer history forever. All we hear is, oh, 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 ah! And we're like, what? We look at each other We're like, no way. So we go back to our seats and uh, as we're walking up, all we can hear are people going like, holy shit, what a catch. Oh my God, that's the most incredible catch I've ever seen. And we're like, okay. And then they showed on the Jumbotron and we're like, oh shit, we missed it. So anyways, this is the night before that game. I'm out with some friends, a group of guys that I was in, I, I had met up with in uh, Green Bay for the weekend, staying at Ye Old Tundra Lodge, and we went to this place I've been to before uh, in downtown Green Bay called Mikey's Pub. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this place. It's actually inside of a Thai restaurant. I had to look it up. It's called the Bangkok Garden. It's on Broadway in downtown Green Bay. So we go there on Saturday night, and it's karaoke. We've done karaoke there before. Five of us did an awesome version of Hey Jude by the Beatles, which you won't be able to find anywhere online, unfortunately. But we go, and we're just, so we're wasted. Look, I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I always do. We're hammered. Hammered. And one of my friends points out, oh, hey, that guy over there, I think that's, is that Aaron Rodgers' brother? And I look over, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's his brother Luke, his older brother. And, you know, one of my buddies, again, the friend I went to the game with, or kind of a former friend now, but regardless, he goes, he's hammered. He goes, come on, dude, let's go. Let's go talk to Rogers' brother. And I'm like, "Why? I don't want to go talk. What do I care about Aaron Rogers' brother? You know, no disrespect, but like, it doesn't make any difference to me. And we had the blog then, Adam, Gene, and I, Old Bag of Donuts. And he's going, come on, Old Bag of Donuts, let's go. You could write about it for your website. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to go talk. I just, I'm not interested, you know? And he goes, come on, I'll go, I'll go talk. Will you just come with me? And I'm like, all right, man. So we start walking over to where Rogers' brother is. And <laughs> we start, we're walking, I'm behind him. The place is packed, packed. Um, We're going, we're walking over there and I'm behind him. We're weaving our way through the crowd. And he pulls this move. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody do this. Right before we get to Rogers' his brother, he he breaks off into the crowd, slides to my left and behind me. And by the time I can look back and I keep I'm I'm continue to walk. By the time I look back, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I turn. Luke Rogers is right in front of me, so I'm like, shit. And he kind of just looks down. And he's like what's going on, fellas? And we're like, hey, and I'm like, oh, hey, man. (laughs) Because, you know, I I didn't know what to say, you know? But he ended up being a good dude and we talked to him for, I don't know, five minutes, ten minutes, wherever, and he was cool and it was a good time. But, yeah. I just remember looking at my buddy, I was like, I am never, I I don't know why I trusted you for that to be any different. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. But he totally, he screwed me, you know? Because I was just going to go over there and be like, like moral support where he was like, hey man, are you Aaron Rodgers's brother? I wasn't gonna say anything, and then I get pushed to the front. You believe that shit? Okay, so anyways. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that, sir. I'm gonna tell more of these. I've got some funny Packers stories. Or they're funny to me anyways. I hope they're funny to you guys. Hell, I don't know. But okay, so now I'm at 24 minutes. I gotta get going on this. Alright, so follow me, if you will, into an alternate reality. Adam and I did this a long time ago on the old, old bag of donuts show. We did a, what if Aaron Rodgers had never been drafted. And it was, I think our most popular show, our second most popular show that we ever did. Thousands and thousands of listens. No shit. I'm not lying. No shit. So, and I was like, I always wanted to do another one. Cause I had so much fun doing that with him. And I thought, you know what? I've been for a long time, been kicking around the idea of like, what would I do? And then a couple weeks back, SB Nation a few weeks ago tweeted about if you could go back and change one moment in the history of your favorite team, what would it be? And I know a lot of Packer fans talked about the NFC Championship game in Seattle. Uh, And that's obviously right near the top. And I had said, well, either that or fourth and 26. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, wait a minute, why don't I just do that? I should just do what if 4th and 26 had never happened? Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do right now. So, again, follow me, if you will, down a wormhole into an alternate reality where 4th and 26 never happened. So, 4th and 26, I should put the tw- Twilight Zone music. So, the first thing, obviously, if 4th and 26 never happened, the Packers would have defeated the Philadelphia Eagles in the 2004 NFC Divisional Playoff game for the 2003 season. They would have defeated the Eagles at the link in Philly and advanced to Carolina for the NFC Championship game. Now, in the reality that we know, the Eagles lost that game 14-3. What fate would the Packers have What would what would have happened to the Packers had they gone to Carolina? Great question. Glad you asked. The Packers would have been rolling. Now, remember everything about where that team was. Right? Well, hang on. Let me get to that. I think with... Yes, I think they... Well, no, I, we'll talk about it now. Yes, I think they would have. Maybe that's because I believe in the Team of Destiny thing or whatever. You have to remember where the Packers were at that point. They, it didn't even look like in mid-December that they were going to be a playoff team that year in 2003. Then we have the tragic passing of Brett Favre's father, which leads to the all-time Monday night performance against the Oakland Raiders. The Packers then get in the playoffs. Josh McCown to Nate Poole. Week 17, Cardinals knock the Vikings out of the playoffs. No. The famous Paul Allen call from Kfan Fan in Minneapolis. And then... The Packers beat the Seahawks in the wildcard round at Lambeau on the famous Al Harris walk-off interception in overtime. Matt Hasselbeck, we want the ball and we're going to score. Well, someone scored, Matt. It just wasn't you. So by the time they had won that game in uh, against the Seahawks, there really was a Team of Destiny thing kind of rolling for this Packers squad. And I think now maybe I I probably am a bit too much of a believer in that stuff, but yeah, I think they would have rode that wave into Carolina, and I think they would have won. That team had a really that team was an awesome. That was an awesome offense. Amon Green, I think it's at the time it was the sixth or seventh best season a running back had ever had. I think even now it's like the eighth or ninth best season a running back has ever had. Amon Green, Javon Walker. Donald Driver, Turd Ferguson, Bubba Franks, Favre at the controls. That was a really, really good offense. And a better-than-people-remember defense. I think the Packers would have gone to Carolina and won. I think they would have advanced to the Super Bowl versus the New England Patriots, a.k.a. the Janet Jackson-Nipplegate Super Bowl. Never thought I'd say Nipplegate on this podcast, but first time for everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at that game. So, now, how would they have done against New England? Great question. Love that ask that one as well. I think they would have beat the Patriots. Call me crazy. I think they would have. Look, the Patriots only won that game 32-29. to And they got a nice little boost from Carolina kicker John Casey, who sent it. I don't know if people remember this. To me, it's one of the all-time boners in Super Bowl history. Carolina ties the game at 29 late. Casey sends the ensuing kickoff out of bounds, putting New England at the 40-yard line. The Patriots didn't have to go that far in the waning moments of that game to set up Adam Vinatieri for a field goal. You know? And while that Carolina team was good, I think that Packer team was better. And if that Carolina team barely lost, I think the Packers team would have won. And you know what? It's my show. So I'm saying it. The Packers win that game. Favre now has two Super Bowl rings and is firmly in the top five of any greatest quarterback of all time conversation. So now we start with that as the initial step, the initial movement into the rabbit hole, the wormhole, as it were. Okay, so now let's move into 2004. Let's say that goes the same way it ultimately went. Packers start off slow, get hot, win the division in Minnesota on Christmas Eve, Friday afternoon game, if you remember. At the Metrodome, Friday late afternoon game, they finish 10-6 and 6 and see their season end at Lambeau in round one in the infamous Randy Moss mooning game. Now, yes, Bob Harlan was beginning to have his doubts about Sherman being able to be both coach and GM at that point after the... or as that season was going on, really. I know he'd said the Mike McKenzie trade stuff, which I'll get to in a little bit, that that was, that was an example of him that maybe this was becoming too much for Sherman. But, does he remove Sherman as general manager in early 2005, one year after winning a Super Bowl? Or at the very least, reaching a Super Bowl? In this alternate reality? No, I don't think he does. Even if the the Packers had lost to New England in that Super Bowl, I still don't see it. Harlan may have had his doubts. He was a very smart man. Still is a very smart man. But I just think it would have been too soon. I don't think there's any way a year after winning a Super Bowl or getting to a Super Bowl that he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Sherman away from being general manager. Just don't think it happens. So that, of course, means no Ted Thompson. Would Sherman, still in the general manager role, have had the foresight to draft Aaron Rodgers late in round one in the 2005 draft? No. <laughs> There's just no way he does it. I, just, I can't see any way that that happens. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at everything Ted did almost immediately after taking the gig. Right? One, chose not to re-sign right guard Marco Rivera. He signs with Dallas for $20 million over five years. Now, Rivera was a warrior. A warrior. I love Marco Rivera. But he was already 32, almost 33 at the time. And he'd had some knee stuff. A lot of knee stuff. I mean, when I say warrior... Dude, Rivera played the entire 2002 season even though he torn MCLs in both knees. He had knee issues in 2003, too, but he played the entire year anyhow. Like, tough as nails, Marco Rivera. Love that dude. He's going to be featured, actually, in a, in a, in a future podcast this offseason. I'm going to talk about Marco Rivera. So, then there's step two. releases his left guard, Mike Wall, instead of paying him his gigantic roster bonus. I couldn't quite get the number of the roster bonus. I tried looking it up. I couldn't find it anywhere. But anyways, the Packers gain $11 million in cap room in the process, while signs with Carolina for a large amount. Three, uh, release safety Darren Sharper, who I'm only talking about in football terms, not the monster that he is and has been off the field, just in football terms, Darren Sharper. He's released by the Packers, saving $3.4 million in cap space. Now, it's true that the Packers were in horrendous cap space, a cap shape, try that again, We're in horrendous shape cap-wise, there we go, when Ted took over. In fact, they were actually over the cap. But I don't think Sherman would have let all these guys go. It may have been impossible to keep both Wall and Rivera. In fact, I think it would have been pretty much impossible to hang on to Rivera, given his age and injury history. But uh, I think he would have found a way to at least keep Wall, either by restructuring other deals... Or signing Wall in a way where the big, ha- the big cap hit would have been further down the line. You know, I think he definitely finds a way to keep Wall. And I don't think there's any way he gets rid of Sharper, either. Again, only in football terms. Of course, I feel like i got to keep saying that. Of course, uh, and then, of course, there was the Javon Walker issue, too, that bubbled over in early 2005. When Walker wanted to redo his deal after a monster 2004 season. He, he had a great year in 04. He eventually gave up on that and came back to the team, which far absolutely destroying him publicly about his holdout probably didn't help his cause at all. But uh, also more on that later. My point is that I think Sherman, the GM, future Cap Room be damned, would have been hell-bent on keeping as much of the team together as possible. He would have been trying to win. He would have been trying to keep winning at a high level right away, which means, no, there's no way he drafts Aaron Rodgers in round one. In 05. Hell, he probably doesn't even take Nick Collins in round two because Collins was, you know, a smaller school guy, a developmental guy at that point. Who does he take? Who knows, but holy shit, they probably wouldn't have been very good. We all know Mike Sherman's draft history. Now, we move on to the 05 season. Obviously, in the reality that we know and experienced, that 05 team was not very good and had a ton of injury stuff. Walker blew his knee out in week one. Amon Green got hurt. Turd Ferguson got hurt. Najee Dookie Davenport. All got hurt. A lot of turd talk at this point. Turd Ferguson, Dookie Davenport. All got hurt, for example. I used to work with a guy. I worked at a newspaper in my hometown in Marquette, Michigan. One of the guys I worked with was a huge Packer fan, like me. And whenever, he was an older guy, whenever anybody would bring up Najee Davenport, he would just go, he didn't shit in that girl's closet! I mean, he did, but it was funny to hear him say it. Uh, anyway, so they all got hurt. And Favre, of course, was terrible, turning it by far the worst year of his career up to that point. But looking back, I really think that team was sort of sunk before it ever got going. By not bringing back those key vets I mentioned earlier, Rivera, Wall, Sharper, only in football terms. And by drafting Rodgers instead of someone who could help... And by drafting Rodgers, instead of someone who could help Favre right away, a move I didn't like, one of my lesser moments, I literally was sitting in my apartment on the campus of the University of Minnesota. I was getting ready to go to this banquet. I worked for my college newspaper. And we were going to this pre-party thing before the banquet. So I was pre-drinking for the (laughs) pre-party. Or getting ready to. And... You know, in the moments leading up to the pick, they're showing Rodgers and it's like, oh, is this is going to happen. And I'm like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. And, you know, with the 24th pick, 25th pick in the 2005 draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers. I literally by myself opened a 40 in my apartment and said to the death of the franchise and started slamming the 40. Not, see, but I'm honest at least, right? A lot of pack, every Packer fan now tells you they love the Rodgers pick. It's bullshit. I would guess at least 60 to 70% of the fan base hated that pick. Worked out brilliantly. But hey, I'm being honest about it. I didn't like it at the time. What do I know? I thought Ryan Leaf was going to be a better quarterback than Peyton Manning. What the fuck do I know? Anyways, so by drafting Rodgers instead of someone who could help Favre, it just, you know, it felt like that team was kind of doomed to fail, like even during training camp. It just felt like Thompson was blowing it up and preparing for the future. A future that did not include Mike Sherman, which as it turned out, that all ended up being the case. But, if say Wall and Sharper come back, Sherman is still the GM, would there have been less of a doomed ship vibe in 05, even with the injuries? I say yes. I say yes. Now, I don't think that was going to be a playoff team, but I don't think they're a 4-12 and team either. Go back and look at how many close games they lost. A boatload of close games. My guess is they would have been closer to a 7-9 or 8-8 team. Does Sherman then get removed as general manager in early 2006? Roughly two years after winning or at least making a Super Bowl? Because again, 4th and twenty-six never happened? Honestly, no, he probably doesn't. Now in that 2006 offseason, there were a ton of contract decisions to be made. The first big one would have been Walker. See, I told you I'd get to this. I think Sherman would have paid him. Unlike Mike McKenzie, who, as we remember, in the 2004 offseason, wanted to be traded if he wasn't given a new contract. Started the season as a holdout, and then came back, I believe, after week one. Kind of an all-time scumbag move. It was an all-time scumbag move. He comes back after week one in 04, says, I've ended my holdout. And then, plays, I believe it was against the Bears in Week 2, played, and then quote-unquote injured his hamstring, which kept him out of the lineup. That was his last game as a Packer. He kept him out of the lineup, and then it was Week 5 or Week 6. Right around the trade deadline, Sherman traded him to New Orleans for uh, a second-round pick. That was it. Did that end up being Nick Collins? It was either Nick Collins or Terrence Murphy uh, was who they used that pick on. But and then McKenzie, in an all-time scumbag move, at his, at his introduct- introductory presser as a saint, and they're like, oh, how's your hamstring? And he's like, feels great, I'm ready to go Sunday. <laughs> you know, all but admitting that he basically faked the injury to continue to get checks as a Packer until they could trade him. I like McK- I, I you know, I like Mike McKenzie up to that point, but all-time dick move, screw him. So anyways, I do think Sherman would have paid Javon Walker, unlike McKenzie. And of course, by doing so, paying Javon Walker, that would have meant he couldn't pay a bunch of other guys. He would have had to pick and choose from quite a list. It was really a list. I mean, Ryan Longwell, Mike Flanagan, Aaron Campman, Amon Green. That's a a huge list of impending free agents, really important players. And since, remember now, he's still paying Mike Wall and Darren Sharper and now Javon Walker, in addition to the other high-priced talent on the team... Could he have kept maybe more than one or two of those guys? Seems unlikely. You know, I I think he probably keeps Green and maybe Flanagan and then Longwell, who, you know... I don't even want to talk about Ryan Longwell. Screw him. (laughs) Um, Ryan Longwell and Aaron campman they probably both walk. Maybe Flanagan, Longwell... And campmen are all gone, and maybe he's only able to bring back Amon Green. Who knows? But they would have lost quite a few key contributors. And then when you factor in another lackluster 6 draft by general manager Mike Sherman, I'm guessing here, but that feels safe, huh? I think 2006 is when we really would have really seen a significant downturn for the team. Two more bad drafts from Sherman in this alternate reality, the 5 draft and the 6 draft coupled with his disastrous 2004 draft. Go look that one up. And it's just hard to see the Packers staying competitive, even with a group of talented holdovers that would have included Favre, Walker, Driver, a good part of that offensive line, etc. Three bad drafts in a row is just too hard to get away from for any team. And my guess is that two thousand sixteen team would have been, you know, 6-10, and 7-9 kind of team. Except they wouldn't have any injury excuses like in 2005. So now it is at this point in early 2007 that I think Sherman is relieved of his duties as general manager. Whether or not that 2003 team had won it all or simply made the Super Bowl. So think about early 2007 now. Harlan's getting ready to retire as president of the team. President of the team. He would have wanted to hire someone who could guide the ship after he left. Who would that have been? I have no idea. I tried finding a list of general managers hired in 2007 and I got nothing. I looked for hours, days trying to find it. I couldn't find shit. It's like everything after 2008 is just deleted from the internet. I don't understand that. Even if I had, I don't know who they would have picked. (laughs) Who knows? But yeah, there would have been a new GM. And regardless of how 2007 went, probably wouldn't have been that good, I don't think, because the Packers would have been stuck for at least one more year with an aging, expensive team. And again, those bad drafts. I think Sherman would have been fired at the end of the 2007 season. So early, so late 2007, early 2008, he would have been canned. So regardless of whether or not he wins the Super Bowl in that 03 season, Super Bowl in 2004, he would have been given four years, which to me seems about right. You know, it's maybe a little short for a Super Bowl winning head coach. Four seems right if he had lost the Super Bowl. Plus, you know, you have to factor in the whole Brett's running out of time thing, which would have sped up the firing process, I believe. So now this is where we get fun. This is where it gets fun. Or weird. (laughs) Who would have been the new head coach? Well, I'd love to tell you it would have been John Harbaugh, hired by the Baltimore Ravens before the start of the 08 season. My guess is the Packers wouldn't have been that forward-thinking. Remember, that was kind of a... People kind of looked at that hire a little little funny. The late Tony Sperano, Mike Smith, and Jim Zorn were the other coaches hired during that offseason, respectively. I don't think the Packers would have hired any of them either. Here's a name. Are you ready for this? This is where it gets, this is where shit gets weird. How about Brian Billick? Fired by the Ravens after the 2007 season in order to hire John Harbaugh. Perhaps the Packers bring him in? Going off the premise that he would already won a Super Bowl before, which would have been beneficial in terms of trying to get Favre one more ring, selling Favre on that, and maybe Favre would have put in a good word or Favre would have had good memories of him since Brett remembered him from the days guiding those dominant Vikings offenses in the late 90s. I feel like Favre would have liked that hire, don't you? So imagine that, Brett Favre and Brian Billick in Green Bay. I think that would have happened. Now, there's a flaw here in that Billick never got another job after the Ravens fired him. As a head coach, anyway. But as I stated earlier, there's some reason to plausibly suggest the Packers might have hired him. Besides, this is all fun. Don't get too serious on me, buttholes. Now, would Favre and Brian Billick have won a Super Bowl in Green Bay? Probably not. Probably not. Favre would have would have uh, only really had 2008 and 2009 with Billick at the helm before the wheels came off, as we saw in his final year in Minnesota. So now, in this alternate reality, we're at the end of the 2010 season, we're in 2011, Favre has retired as quarterback of the Packers, After a bad 2010 season, leaving the Packers with most likely a high pick in the 2011 draft, not high enough to get Cam Newton, sadly. So Green Bay is likely stuck with the list: Jake Locker, (laughs) who I really like Locker coming out of Washington. Oops, again shows what I I don't know shit. Blaine Gabbert, Yo Gabba Gabbert, or Gulp Christian Ponder. (laughs) Now. Things worked out a little bit better with the round two quarterbacks maybe they would have waited till round two and ended up with a Nandy Dalton or a Colin Kaepernick either of those would have been better than the trio of Locker Gabbert Ponder but I mean yeah can you imagine the 2011 Packers head coach Brian Billick starting quarterback Blaine Gabbert how long would that have lasted <laughs> probably not long and then after that who knows really you know so, yeah, when we... Ta- I, yeah, because I'm not, not going to go any further into the future than that. That was as far as I wanted to take this alternate reality. So, yeah, when we talk about flashpoints, you know, major forks in the road for the franchise over the past 25, 30 years, we talk about stuff like the drafting of Tony Mandrich, right? Trading for Brett Favre, signing Reggie White, drafting Aaron Rodgers. But I'll tell you what, not that, now that you've seen, now that you've gone, now you followed me down this uh, rabbit hole... Fourth and twenty-six, you see, absolutely needs to be on that list. If Freddie Mitchell never catches that ball, it's not just possible, but rather probable that the Aaron Rodgers era never happens. And what if Favre gets to that Super Bowl against New England and loses? There's a chance Favre retires with a one-and-two record in Super Bowls. Right? Not just that, but it's very possible that the Packers have, again, in this alternate universe, spent almost an entire decade searching for their next great quarterback they could still be searching now in that universe we could be the Cleveland Browns or the Chicago Bears so maybe just maybe we should thank Freddie Mitchell for catching that ball <laughs> right who knows so I hope you all enjoyed that that was fun uh, I've got some more hopefully I got a couple more of those I'm thinking about maybe doing this offseason season. So, right at the 47-minute mark. It's probably about time for me to jam on out of here. Um, I don't know when I'll be back exactly. Hoping to be back in a couple of weeks. I'm aiming for two weeks from now being the next episode. Again, it'll probably be kind of a potpourri, a grab bag, if you will. Uh, as always, I'll keep you posted. So, until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempisus. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you all. Stay safe out there in this crazy-ass world. And as always, Go Pack Go!